0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 175. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their
1: inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success.
0: And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, let's join together and thank our sponsor, Audible, as they make our daily show possible. Support Entrepreneur on Fire and go grab your free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. That's Audiblepodcast.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Dan Andrews. Dan, are you prepared to ignite? Yeah, buddy, John. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Dan, along with his partner, Ian, are founders of the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Dan and Ian have been building lifestyle business for over four years and currently have over 10 employees worldwide. They've created the Tropical MBA Crash Course, which I'm excited to learn more about today. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Dan, but why don't you take a minute? Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. And then take another minute and give us an overview of your business.
1: Sure, man. I'm a, I'm an ex-corporate hustler. You know, in 2007, I had a job like a lot of people do, one that my parents were proud of and thought I was on the right path in life, but I sort of had this suppressed dream in the back of my mind. Like, I really wanted to see the world and travel and and have time freed up to do things that I was really passionate about. And, uh, you know, that was about when I was sort of learning about web marketing, and then I read The 4-Hour Workweek, and that book really blew open possibilities for me. So, after reading that book, I started a company that uh, sells cat furniture and portable bars and a bunch of other products. We can talk about more if you like. But basically at the time, I was like, man, I'll sell anything that's going to let me you know, make this business be successful and uh, get me out on the road and seeing in the world. And so since that time, it's been an incredible ride. Like you said, I think we have 16 employees now. We've been at it <sighs> since 07 and it's been, I've learned a lot along the way, but uh, I feel like I'm just getting started.
0: Wow. Well, you definitely are. And I am continuing to track your progress, which I'm loving. And I'm looking so forward to delving more into exactly the nuts and bolts of what you do on a day-to-day, month-to-month business, Dan. But as you know, we start every Entrepreneur on Fire show off with a bang, with a success quote. I know you have a great mantra for us, so take it away.
1: (laughs) Have you heard this Tim Ferriss quote where he says um, a person's success in life is often correlated with their ability to have difficult conversations. Um, And there's just a lot of tough things that you have to do uh, in order to grow a business. And I always have this mantra in my head where I say don't bust a shin. And I used so I have to step back for a second. I used to play this game with my friend where we would jump from ledge to ledge and they were perfectly spaced such that if you did a standing long jump you would make it. But if any part of you was not fully committed to the jump, you would bust your shin on the ledge. And so I always think of that, which is like, just don't bust a shin, Dan. If you decide that you're going to do this thing, fully commit yourself to doing it, and if you if you fail, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be on the other side of the ledge, and you're gonna fail forward. So that's sort of the mantra that I, whenever it's like, you know, I'm sure you feel this all the time, John, you know, you're like, oh man, I really don't wanna to have to have that talk, or I don't wanna to have to call this person, oh, yeah. or send that email. And I always just think, don't bust a shin, don't bust a shin. Do you really wanna grow a business? Let's do it.
0: Dan, I love that mantra for so many reasons. I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fan. We've had him on the show recently, and everything that comes out of his mouth is usually pure gold, but I'm such a big believer in this, in that failing forward and not being afraid because so many entrepreneurs, before they make that leap, they just picture in their minds what this worst case scenario is, and it's always about 10 times worse than what it actually ends up being if they do fail flat in their face. With Entrepreneur on Fire, I just went 100% in. I took that leap forward, daily interviews, committed myself, I have no time for anything else but this, and the results are evident, and you've done the same thing with Tropical MBA and all of your other ventures out there, so let's talk about your journey from this point because you're our spotlighted guest, Dan, and we know that you failed and that you embrace failure and you know that it defines you as an entrepreneur, so take us back to a time in your journey, when you did fall flat in your face, when you came up against an obstacle that you had to dig deep to overcome, and share with us how you overcame that.
1: Sure. So you know, one of the ways that I first started traveling was I funded my business by starting a consulting business on the side, where I would do things like you're doing with your your podcasting service, where I reached out to people and I was like, "Hey, I'll help you do stuff similar to what I'm doing. You know, if you guys uh, pay me a consulting fee." and that was one of the ways that I was cash flowing my employees and my business and getting things off the ground. And in 2008, the financial crisis hit, yeah. And I got a couple of those tough phone calls. And the money dried up and I was in Ho Chi Minh City and I remember I, was, I hung up the phone and uh, I was standing in my living room with my business partner I said, we don't have an office anymore and we're not being able to cash flow this anymore. And there was a whiteboard on the wall. <laughs> it was like a sign. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, it still, it was interesting because you know it was one of the most challenging days of my life, um, but also one of the most the days that I re- remember most fondly, because it was it was like all fresh possibility. Okay, what are we going to do? And I think back to like that initial risk when I became an entrepreneur. You know, I knew stuff like that could happen, but even when I got there like you just said, you know, I failed forward. It was like, all right, well, I'm at the next level now. What can I do now to to solve this problem? And I ended up, you know, having to be very frugal. So instead of, you know, I quit a job where I was making a great salary. And instead, you know, I lived like a pauper for half a year. And I hustled and I had a singular focus. I knew precisely what I needed to do in my life and uh, managed to get through it. But um, yeah, I look back on it and I think, That was my worst case scenario. That was what I feared the most and it happened and I look back on it now and I think it was a great day. So, I mean, if if your entrepreneurial leap isn't going to cause death, destitution or dismemberment, then just jump because you'll figure it out.
0: The three D's. I love that, Dan. (laughs) Who said that, by the way?
1: I can't remember. I I should be quoting somebody, but.
0: Yeah, I'm going to Google that and I will attribute it in the show notes if we can find that because that's too good to be true. I love that. So Dan, one thing I always struggle with my interviewees is to have them really take us down to the ground level and share their stories. A lot of my guests love to be abstract and just kind of talk from an aerial view. You're just not that way, which I am in love with. You really are taking us down into that room, seeing that whiteboard, the steps that you took afterwards. And that's what Entrepreneur on Fire is all about. We want to be with you on this journey. We want to share this journey with you. That's the power of visualization.
1: There's a hidden story there, which is, okay, things were really bad in that moment, but I was in the room with the right people. I was on the right road. So all of a sudden, I'm with business partners. I'm talking with new clients. I'm talking with my employees. Um, I'm talking with potential new investors. I'm not talking to uh, the guy who just fired me, or the guy who's reviewing my resume. You know, so it's interesting that like, yeah, I was in kind of a bad spot, but I was in, in on the right path. And so it's not so scary uh, if you look at it as a trajectory, as a long-term approach to life, rather than one event that's going to be this big, risky
0: thing. So you said the words, you just were going to suck it up and live like a pauper. And I love that. It's all about that lean startup bootstrap mentality. What was that next click that happened that just really propelled you into the level where you're like, okay, things really aren't so bad. In fact, I'm really doing pretty good right now.
1: It never felt like um, that big moment came. Which was weird to me because I always thought, like, I had this, uh, you can go to, like, moderncatdesigns.com and you can look at my cat furniture. And I really thought that Petco was going to call me one day if I got written up in apartment therapy enough times. And they were going to be like, Mr. Andrews, we love your cat furniture. We'd like to give you half a million dollar purchase order. <laughs> and... Uh, and you know the, the punchline is: is even when people give you big purchase orders, it's it's adds all this new level of stress, stress and cash constraint, and management challenge, and it's just the beginning. So every moment I ended up thinking was going to be this huge windfall in my business, like you know John's going to interview me on Entrepreneur Fire. Well, it just turns out that those are just part of the process of growing a business. That's just a Wednesday. That's the next day. And, um, you know, it was a a long time to sort of stick your head out of all that fury and all that daily routine and work and say, hey, you know what? I did something okay the last couple years.
0: (laughs) Man, what powerful insights, Dan. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to keep moving forward in your journey because I'm just really finding myself raptured by it. (laughs) Just like we have failures over and over again as entrepreneurs, and every day we still fail and we need to embrace failure and move forward with that failure, we also have these little aha moments, these little light bulbs that are going off that are inspiring us and propelling us forward and changing our business minds and our mantras. Share with us a time that you just had this big light bulb that went off at some point in your journey back in the day where you said, Wow, this is going to resonate with my authentic self. And then how did you turn? this light bulb moment into success
1: okay so you know I know a lot of your guests that keep coming back to mindset and it's it's almost tough to believe before you started a business how much of it has to do with mindset you know you read these like think and grow rich books and right. and everybody's like mindset 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 so what are the actual structures to that well there were two things that did it for me one was so it' was a combination of learning that you didn't need to have your in a chair in order to make money. And I learned that from a young web developer that I hired at my last job. And he would call me when the traffic was bad and be like, yo, D, I can't make it to work. And I'd be like, that's cool. We'll just talk on Skype. And then I was like, whoa, this kid's still making his money and he's not sitting in traffic. He's way smarter than me. So that was it. The first idea was disassociating earning from action share. That was a revolution for me. The second thing was the democracy of the internet. So when I started my cat furniture company, um, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, you need to have money or you needed to have a, <clears throat> say, a rich uncle who owns a store who knows somebody or or whatever. But when Ian and I started our company, we were like, hey, we could just rank number one on Google. Yeah. Like we could try to do that. And young kids like us might actually be able to do that. You look at Entrepreneur on Fire. All of a sudden, you know, you have one of the most popular and I- impactful educational programs in the world. I mean, fifteen years ago, if I said go do that, you'd be like, well, I don't have a rich uncle who knows the guy at NBC. <laughs> <That's> so true. <laughs> so I, I think it was those two things that were starting to like percolate in my brain and then combine that with the suppressed desire to travel the world. Mm-hmm. And then I read Mr. Ferris's four hour work week. And that was the thing that tied it all together for me. And the message that he gave to me was you can write your own script and follow it. You don't have to opt into other people's scripts. So the old scripts for traveling the world were join the Navy, uh, go teach English in South Korea, become an English teacher. And for one reason or another, all of those scripts weren't as good as have a good job back home. But when I read The 4-Hour work week, I realized, you know what, maybe I can have my cake and eat it too, and it's worth a go. And that was when I implemented the strategy of writing down precisely what I wanted to do and how I was going to get it. Such a simple thing, but I never, in, in my entire life, had I ever done that. I'd always applied for things. I'd always looked for things to apply for. And now, for the first time in my life, I'd written down precisely what I wanted, and that was the day I became an entrepreneur.
0: So share with us one of those early days when you wrote something down and it happens. Share with us that story.
1: So Ian and I read this book the same day cause I called him on page 90 and I was like, dude, you got to go get this book like now <laughs> and read it. And, and then we decided, okay, uh, we believe this guy, we'll take, we'll take him at face value. We're going to start a business and we're going to sit down and we're going to write our dream line and we're going to decide how much all the things that we truly want in our lives are really going to cost us. And, that's the idea of, all right, so how many pieces of cat furniture do I need to sell in order to get what I really want in life? That's really the exercise we're doing. And the punchline for me was that a lot of the things that I wanted weren't, I wasn't gonna be able to get by my six-figure job. I wasn't gonna be able to get um, three months living in China. I wasn't gonna get the time to write a record album. I wasn't gonna get the time to sort of make my real dent in the planet. And these things turned out to be pretty cheap, you know, at the end of the day, especially if you're willing to live like a pauper. and when you see the benefits that you can have if you are able to get a business off the ground, all of a sudden it becomes your singular focus. Or or it did for me, rather, because it was so compelling. I forgot about going to the movies. I forgot about going clothing shopping on Saturday mornings. All that stuff. I forgot about going to parties because I wanted all these benefits that came from entrepreneurship. And I really started with personal finances. Getting rid of that debt, John. That was like my first step because I, I had been Mr. Retail Therapy and... And at that moment, I realized that that was going to hold me back. So that was sort of square one. So I started listening to Dave Ramsey, and I started knocking out that debt and uh, focusing on, you know, keep visualizing. If I can just move, you know, 200 pieces of cat furniture every month, um, this thing is going to work.
0: Now, I'm just continuing to love this story because I – running a pretty similar line myself. I mean, I did follow that very standard trajectory that you mentioned. I mean, you brought up the Navy. You know, for me, it was the Army. I went to college on a Rossi scholarship, got out, was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army, spent four years as an active duty officer, 13 months with a tour of duty in Iraq, 26 to 30. I was in the reserves, tried corporate finance, tried a tech startup company, tried residential real estate, commercial real estate, was never finding my thing, was realizing that I wasn't fulfilling my authentic self. And it really wasn't until I had my aha moment that I was able to move forward and really start taking a hold of my life and moving forward in the direction I wanted it to be.
1: Have people in your life been supportive of you generally? Because one of the things I noticed with entrepreneurs is that like you were in the army As a second lieutenant, that's something that people like, they nod their heads and, like, wow, that's like, I respect you for that. But when you tell people that you publish blog posts every day, sometimes like you have to take this huge step backward in order to be an entrepreneur. Like you don't have money. So all of a sudden you don't show up to the family gathering or, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you're doing this web thing. You know, I don't know what to think. So I guess, have you experienced that challenge of having to take a step back and having people around you sort of look at you a little funny?
0: Dan, great question. I mean, look at me. I was 23 years old. I had just spent a tour of Duty in Iraq, 13 months overseas fighting for my country. I come back. Every time I go to a family dinner or what have you, there's an American flag hanging there waiting for me. People are patting me on the back saying, John, wow, you're just doing some great things, yada, yada, yada. And that was at 23 years old. And then, you know, fast forward seven years later, you know, I'd put my active duty servers behind me. And, you know, now I'm a quote unquote podcaster, which nobody even knows what that is. I'm showing up at these dinners and you know, people are just like, "All right, John's here. All right, John, can you help us with the dishes real quick? Like, do you mind?"
1: And uh, you know, I hear this. I love having these kind of commiseration stories because what ends up happening is, if you stick to it and you persevere and you stay on the trajectory, people respect you for that, and of course, they'll end up seeing the successes and being able to understand it. But certainly, for the first two to three years, you will get. A lot of just people—they care about you. You know, they want to make sure you're doing the right things. And and the thing about being an entrepreneur—that if everybody uh, agreed with you and thought it was just obvious to be doing what you were doing, it would be a job. It wouldn't be a a new business. So it's it's part of the plan that people are going to look at you a little bit weird. So um, yeah, definitely, I can share that experience, man. I felt the same way. I mean, I thought it was an awesome, and everybody was like, "Dude." I can't believe you quit your job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, this is less of an interview for me and more of a therapy session. And I'm really enjoying and appreciating this. But the reality is, is that I look back and in my 20s, I was so much more concerned. It was paramount to me that I was looked at that way by my family members, by my friends, by my peers. I really wanted people to look at me and say, wow, I really respect and admire what John's doing. That was important to me. I went to law school because of that reason, because I knew people would be like, okay, John was an officer for four years. Now he's going to law school. Like, Look at his trajectory. That was the important thing. It really wasn't until I was literally in my low 30s, I had a fundamental mind shift, a truly fundamental mind shift where I said, you know what? My family's going to love me no matter what. My friends, they're going to like me no matter what. I care less about how they quote-unquote perceive me at this moment than how I am fulfilling my authentic self on a day-to-day basis.
1: Do you remember the moment that you were like, no?
0: Yep. It was during law school where I was just like, you know, th- everything about this feels wrong. I do not enjoy being in law school. I cannot picture myself enjoying being a lawyer, living that corporate life. It's not the kind of person that I am. I am feel I feel as though I'm changing inside. That shift happened. Yeah. I, I left law school. It was a very tough decision because my father's a lawyer. I came from a family of lawyers. And they were all excited, welcomed me into the family firm at some point. But I made that decision. And when I left and I realized six months later, you know, and I left Dan and I went to India for four months as a quote-unquote escape just to be away, to let everything yeah. dust settle. I traveled India. I traveled Nepal. I hiked the Himalayas. I did a lot of thinking. And I came back and I was like, wow, my family still loves me. They're still here for me. And you know what? <laughs> That's really the important thing. And now the important thing for me to fulfill my authentic self, which I really realized was not in the past that I was taking. But you know, I needed to fail. I needed to try those things and reject them to find what I really wanted.
1: This is, this is really a critical point. So when we're talking about mindset, if you can focus in on what is your prestige triggers because there's these all these like un like unarticulated um, prestige pressures around us and it's very easy to opt into other people's if we don't know what ours are and and for me it was I came from a lower middle class background and so it was all about maximizing your salary and so my story isn't as cool as yours but it, I feel a little bit weird telling this but I'm going to share it in case anybody's in this position I love it I was I was very young when I got Um, promoted, and and I was lucky. It had to do with the real estate boom and everything. I got promoted to a position where I was making $100,000 a year. And it was this really exciting thing to share with my parents because I think that that's what they wanted for me. and, And they just wanted the best for me, you know, that kind of thing. And I felt proud of it at the beginning. And it, the cracks like came very, very shortly thereafter, where I realized that this was always a milestone in my head that I thought if I made a big salary, that I would have what I wanted, and it's just it's it's like it's so cheesy in retrospect, I guess, because it's the most cliched reaction ever. But I realized that maximizing my salary wasn't going to get me. The, the things that were really prestigious for me in my life, which was doing my own thing, owning my time, building businesses. And in particular, for me, it was this travel trigger. And I read guys like Tim Ferriss. I thought, even if Tim Ferriss was making almost no money, he's so much more laudable, or he had so much more prestige in my eyes. And so, like you said, staying true to yourself, I knew that I needed to follow guys like him and go after the things that I valued. Because when I looked at the guys that made... Hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year, selling some product or whatever, uh, and driving BMWs. I just thought, you know what? I don't even care about that. Like I don't. I, I call it the look down the hall test. You know, if you're in a job, look down the hall because that's where you're going. You're going to the corner office, and if you don't want to be that guy, then you're in the wrong chair. And 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 that's that's what occurred to me. It's like yes, I'm making good money. Yes, my parents are happy. But I don't want to be that guy, and I got to put up with this every day for the rest of my life. So I'm going to do something better.
0: And you broke away. That's what I did. Dan, have you had an "I've made it" moment? I have. I I enjoy how people deal with this uh,
1: question on the show (laughs) because I think it's the toughest question. Yes, all the time. I do indulge in these like "I've I've made it" moments. I think. Have you ever seen those like lumberjack um, competitions where you sort of hack out a little wedge in the tree and then you put a step in? Yeah. It's like, like I feel like I get to those steps every so few years. Like there was one moment when I bought bought an investor out of my company where I feel like. That was in uh, in January 2011, and I thought, you know what? I'll never have to have a job again for the rest of my life. That felt like an I made it moment. Now, could that little slat break and I could fall down to the next uh, level? Sure, but I, I've already been there. I know how to get back there. I know all the you know techniques required, so um, yeah, I do feel like um, – when that moment came to me in in early 2011, late 2010, where I was like, I'll never have to have a job again. I've got the entrepreneurial skill set. I've got enough resources. um, I've got enough assets. um, I'll never have to have a job again. That was very exciting for me. And then it it became a whole new challenge too, right? I mean, so I'm I'm never resting, of course. Like uh, That becomes a new challenge, which is, all right, well, this isn't about you anymore, is it? So, now we can't go around thinking about what number one wants. What is a way that you could make the world a better place? What are some things that you can do to make your customers more successful? And that's part of the reason I like the podcast is because it is this um, exercise of really trying to help people with no ex- expectation of a return. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction that I would have never got back in my job where you know I was just working for that money.
0: I love your explanation of the skill set, because I was just reading Brian Tracy's newsletter this morning, and he quoted Richard Branson, so two great, great entrepreneurs. And Richard Branson said, once you have the skill set to become a businessman, you can create a business over and over again. They can never take that away from you. And I mean, basically, you know what he's saying is exactly what you're saying. No matter what happens to you in your world, you have this skill set now. You have this knowledge because you've gained it through failing, through succeeding, through learning. And so no one can ever take that away from you. So even if you do fall down a couple slats on that tree, you always have the ability to get back up it.
1: No question. No question. I mean, as long as, you know, you've read, have you read the E-Myth yet? Yes. So the key thing is that ensuring that you're not conflating like your skill for designing beautiful cat furniture with your ability to be an entrepreneur. But one of the things I love about the entrepreneurial skill set is it's transferable. You know, if, if the real estate industry goes down, all right, find a way to help people in, in an industry that's going up. And, uh, whereas people that are entrenched in industries vis-a-vis their jobs, they don't have that luxury. So I was talking to my good friend, David McKeegan from Greenback Tax Services, who's a great entrepreneur. Oh, you got to interview him. He's, uh, his business is, it's like an entrepreneurial, uh, dream. It, it. What he's, is amazing. And, uh, he helps traveling entrepreneurs and expats do their taxes. And, uh, he's got like 20 people working for him now and he lives anywhere in the world with his family. It's fantastic. Anyway. Um, you know, he was just talking about the same thing is that now that he's got the skill, he's got this family, he's got a, a you know, it's not like a single dude like me running around, but he feels more secure, even though he used to work at uh, a big bank in, in the UK and his fantastic job working for, for Barclays, I believe, and feeling more secure as a small business owner because of precisely what we're talking about. And I uh, I just underline that because if you don't yet have a business, it can be difficult to trust in that, that it actually is a skill set. But you know, it, just like all skill sets, it takes a dedication to your craft. It takes many years of time and focus, and it takes a lot of hard knocks. So it's not like you can just read a couple books and be there. But if you're willing to invest in it, it will be good to you for sure.
0: Dan, I hope you don't mind. I'm not going to be releasing this podcast on Entrepreneur on Fire. I'm going to make this a paid course of about $1 million.
1: One million (laughs) dollars.
0: So Dan, I really want to talk about what you have going on right now because I follow you and I know after this interview, you're going to have a lot of people following you because you're just such an inspirational guy. Talk to us, talk to Fire Nation about a couple of things that are really exciting you in your business right now.
1: So the, with the product business, we've got probably five product lines of hard goods products. And the way that that business works is our background is in manufacturing and design. And we find these great niches that have are underserved and they could use sort of a fresh approach. And that was when we did it with Cap Furniture and we have the portable bar company that your listeners can check out. And, you know, we sent one to Adam Carolla because we love his podcast yeah. and they, it was just all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of retired from that business, which has been exciting to me because I've been running that for three and a half years. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go full time helping other people to become location independent entrepreneurs or helping people that are already out there on the road who are looking for uh, solutions. And so I started off with uh, a private membership group. I did the podcast. I write a lot. I'm writing a book right now. And uh, I recently started throwing events, which I have been probably the most exciting thing, which is um, last year I had these uh, sort of training programs in the Philippines where 43 people flew out to the Philippines and we hung out in a resort for two weeks. And we just, just had an absolute entrepreneurial hotbox, man. It just worked like, 14-hour days, round the clock. That was a lot of fun. And then I started throwing these events. Um, I threw one in Bangkok last year where Derek Sivers and Simon Black, two of my heroes, came and uh, spoke to a room full of shining eyes. And uh, it's exciting working with entrepreneurs because I'm sure you know you have the same sense of the zeitgeist, which is unlike people who buy cat furniture and nothing to knock them, but entrepreneurs are people who are dedicated to changing their lives. Yeah. And it, it just... It, it, I feel like really privileged to be in a spot like that. So, the biggest challenge for me has been not leaning on my experience as a as a hard goods products entrepreneur, um, and and trying to get much better at motivating and empowering other people to have their own successes. And so that's my challenge right now.
0: So Dan, what is your vision for the future?
1: You know what I'm really focused on is this group of hyper-globalized small businesses. I think we're over this whole idea of arbitrage, right? Like, I'm going to buy something cheap here. And I'm going to sell it for expensive here. Now we're onto this idea of global optimization. Okay, I can live anywhere. What's the best place to live? Why? What's the best place to educate my children? What's the best place to hire a web developer? Where should I... F- incorporate my e-commerce store that I'm running from Thailand and selling to customers in South America? These are real questions that small business entrepreneurs did not have five years ago because these things were all not possible. They were, but it was such a small niche of people. So this to me is an explosive marketplace and it's an exciting marketplace. So I want to serve those people. I want to serve the guy who's sitting there on a beach in Thailand thinking, should I be running this business out of Hong Kong or Singapore? And (laughs) where that are doing this kind of thing and isn't this cool maybe I should fly to, over to New York City next next week that kind of thing excites me because I think when I used to lay in my bed as a kid and dream of being a rock star like that's kind of what I dreamed of is being able it wasn't the the uh, music that I dreamed of it was the freedom and I'm seeing a lot of that and seeing a lot of people experience it for the first time and it's been exciting
0: well Dan one thing that excites me is how you are just a magnet for really inspired entrepreneurs. Alyssa Doucette was one of my first guests on the show, and she's part of the Dynamite Circle, which you've created, and she sent a little email out to the Dynamite Circle about my show, and before I knew it, my inbox was being flooded with these incredible entrepreneurs with amazing stories and amazing journeys, just looking to share, and wow, I can tell you, I've had a bunch of them on the show, and they are just incredible people.
1: Cheers, man. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, Alyssa runs the Dynamite Circle, so she's a- He's absolutely fantastic as well. So, um, yeah, it's a great group of people, a fantastic group of people. It's very exciting to be around them. I mean, uh, the event in Bangkok last year just uh, really knocked me back and realized that it's uh, it's exciting work to be doing, and I feel privileged to be able to do it for people. So,
0: Cool stuff, Dan. Well, we're going to have to take a second here to once again thank our sponsor, Audible. They are the reason this content will always be free for you, Fire Nation. If you love Entrepreneur on Fire, you will love the 100,000 plus audiobooks Audible has. And the book that I want to recommend to you today is Awaken the Giant Within by Anthony Robbins. You can go grab this audiobook for free and get a 30-day trial by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. I have been an Audible member for years now, and there are a number of reasons they're the only place to go to for audiobooks. Audible provides the best value, the best customer care, and the best selection of titles. So go grab an audiobook today and support Entrepreneur on Fire by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Fire. Now that we've thanked our sponsor, we're going to have to move into my favorite part of the show, the lightning rounds. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Mindset, man. You know, it's all mindset. It's, it's, it, And some of it is, you have to have Belief that what you're going to do is work out, that you're not going to bust a shin so that you do the hard things. So quitting your job is really hard, but not if you're committed to being an entrepreneur, because at the end of the day, you know. They're, they're mutually exclusive, right? You got to quit the job if you want to become an entrepreneur. So um, it, it was all getting my head around these mindset issues. So all these things we've been talking about for a half an hour now, John, these are the things that I would focus on is, you know, what is it precisely that you want to do? What is it that, what's your true prestige? What's your true calling? How can you truly be useful to people? Those are all mindset questions.
0: Powerful. What's the best business advice you've ever received?
1: Plan for success. Um, this is something that seems simple, but it's not. Um, if you say that you want to have a website that makes you $4,000 of income, people think that's like pixie dust. Like sort of, yeah, I'll put up a website, I'll follow, read an ebook, and then $4,000 of income is going to come in. And then when they say, I want to make it 8000 same deal. I'll just work twice as hard. That's not how it works. It turns out that when you have a website that makes $8,000 of personal income every year, that might mean that you have four employees. All right, well, when you have four employees, do you have an insurance program? Um, what are your inventory costs? Or do you have a tax advisor at that point in time? And so, plan for success. Right, get out a spreadsheet and figure out what your success looks like in concrete terms. How many products are you moving? Are you going to be able to pick up all the phone inquiries and do the marketing at the same time? If you're making four thousand dollars a month, these are things that people generally fail to consider. And when you do, it's a great mindset exercise.
0: What's something that's working for you right now?
1: Working the system read um, Oh, Sam Carpenter, work the system. I don't do anything without making a process after I'm done doing it.
0: Love it. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: Absolutely, man. Ning. It's Uh, very inexpensive community software. If you're building an audience and you want to put people into a great community environment that's better than just a normal forum, try out Ning. You can set it up in just a half an hour. It's cheap. And uh, I run uh, the Dynamite Circle in it, which has close to 600 members.
0: Wow. If you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, what would it be?
1: Maverick by Ricardo Semler. I wish people talked about this book more. One of the best business books I've ever read and it can be a little bit difficult to find but I think now that uh, we're doing eBooks, it's, it should be pretty easy to get a hold of. If you can't get a hold of it, send me an email.
0: Perfect. Well, this, everything that we've talked about is going to be linked up entrepreneuronfire.com slash Dan Andrews. So Dan, this next question is my favorite. It's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest, and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: All right, man. So first, I guess the first uh, call would be uh, to mom and asking for the couch, (laughs) you know, Okay, so I would take a journalistic approach to problem solving based marketing, and I would focus on this group of exciting entrepreneurs that we're talking about. So these micro, multinational, small business owners. Every single day, I'd put a piece of content on my website that solves a specific problem for people that are trying to internationalize their business. What's the best place to start to get to uh, open up a bank account if you're a US citizen who has an e commerce store but you live in Thailand? Okay, I might not know the answer to that question, but I will get somebody on the phone. Who does know the answer? And I will lay that out clearer than it is anywhere on the internet. I will help people provide financial services for that group of people. Um, I think that that's a great marketplace. And most small businesses, nine out of 10 of them, track with the marketplace. So choosing your niche is important. And that's a niche that I think is a winner.
0: Dan, that was great advice. And you've given us actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance. Then, share with us how we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: My favorite part of our conversation, John, was that um you know one of the things that we were trying to do with our blogs and our podcasts is saying entrepreneurship can be really lonely, especially where I grew up like I didn't grow up in New York where it's like the cool thing to start a startup or whatever. Um, I got a lot of sidelong glances, like, what is this guy doing? Is he ruining his life? You know what's happening so My piece of advice to everybody is that you're not alone and it's really important that you reach out to people that share your values because if you're hanging around with a bunch of people on Saturday night, having dinner, explaining to them why you're trying to be an entrepreneur, you're really in the wrong room. (laughs) You need to get yourself into a room where those (laughs) people are feeding your passion so that you can um, get your life uh, started in the direction that you see it going.
0: Well, Dan, it's been amazing for me. I've interviewed over 175 incredible entrepreneurs and all the listeners can feel like they've done the same just by tuning in. So thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and your experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: It's been a pleasure, John. Thank you so much.
0: Fire Nation, what great idea do you have brewing inside you? Enough brewing. Take powerful action today. Go grab your domain and get your website up. I've created a simple seven-minute tutorial that will walk you through acquiring your domain for free all the way to your first post. Go to eofirewebsite.com to access this great tutorial, your free domain, and much more. That's eofirewebsite.com. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com your daily dose of inspiration prepare to
1: ignite